This is the Disciple Makers Podcast. The following audio comes from the National Disciple Making Forum by Discipleship.org. The theme was Disciple Maker, and D6 Conference hosted a track called Family Discipleship. How are you doing with family discipleship at your church? Well, D6 Conference has put together a free assessment to help you discern exactly how your church is doing at equipping parents to disciple their kids. This free assessment is called the Church Health Assessment, and it's just 30 questions. They've even included scoring instructions, so you can do the whole thing for free, and it's self-guided. Download this at discipleship.org d6. It's a PDF available at discipleship.org d6. That's the letter D and the numeral six. Now here's one of the track sessions from D6. I believe the topic on the sheet or on the brochure said eight simple tools to connect parents with the home. But really what we want to do is to connect the church and home and empower them for discipleship. So that is the, the title of this breakout session. I'm so glad to have you guys in here. And before we go any further, I always like to start uh, and pray to the Lord that he would keep my foot out of my mouth and that he would be exalted and I would be made very small in this uh, scenario. So let's pray. God, I just thank you for this conference. God, I thank you for everything that you have already taught us up to this point, the incredible wisdom that uh, you have gifted and given these communicators and these speakers, and not just wisdom, but God, you've given them obedience to walk this stuff out, courage to to uh, adhere to a vision and 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 dedicate their life's work to it in some cases. Father, I just appreciate their, their faith. God, I thank you for your faithfulness in that and, and bringing us all together today to learn how to do what you told us to do, and that is make disciples. God, as we uh, enter into this uh, talk about and this breakout about how to connect and empower parents, God, I just pray that our ears would be open to what you would have to teach us. God, that... Um, your words would be my words today, God, that I would get out of your way and allow your spirit to do what only it can do. God, your word says we're two or more gathered, that you are also present. I thank you that you are in this room today and that we have a time to just rest. And as ministry leaders, to just get away from the minutia that is life in ministry as a leader sometimes and to get poured into and to get fed ourselves. God, I thank you for that opportunity. I thank you that you're going to give every leader in this room exactly what they need to walk out the call that you've placed on their lives and in their ministries. God, I thank you for it all. In the precious and powerful name of Jesus, amen. amen. All right, for those of you guys that do not know me, um, my name is Josh Wooten. I'm a family pastor at a church in Hendersonville, Tennessee, which is a little suburb, kind of like Brentwood is south of Nashville. Hendersonville is north of Nashville. Um, I serve uh, Indian Lake Peninsula with my lovely wife, Lena Wooten. It says Lisa out there. Not sure who Lisa is. Um, that's how rumors get started, but no. Um, my wife is going to be helping me out today, uh, kind of here representing the D6 family movement, because as a family pastor, you know, I need help. You guys, as a pastor, period, we all need help. And the, kind of the title of this uh, breakout could be like, as parents, you know, you just want to help me help you. You know, we want to be Cuba Gooden Jr. sometimes because that's what we need. And uh, we want to help them uh, in their 
in their goal to disciple their children, because in many cases as ministry leaders, it gets put on us and the expectation is that we are the ones that are supposed to disciple people, all of them. And it's like, wait a minute, no, Jesus only had 12 and of the 12, he really got close to the three. So if our call as Christians is to make disciples of, of all nations, we got to start in our own home and they've got to be doing it in their home. Um, like I said, I married way on up out of my league to my wife and I have two beautiful children. My daughter, who is a senior in high school this year and is causing life to speed up at such a rapid pace, I do not even know what's going on in the real world anymore. She's visiting colleges and and she is so I'm proud of her that the fact that she wants to, to pursue her ambitions and she has some lofty goals and I admire. It's like, oh, man, I'm getting what I prayed for. A strong willed leader that believes God for anything. And so we go to visit these colleges and I see what it costs. I'm like, oh, baby. Your daddy's a pastor. God is going to have to show up in this case. But anyway, she is a, a, a wonderful, wonderful. She helps to encourage and inspire me as much as anybody on the planet. And that's my son, Ryman, um, of whom I'm well pleased. But he has inherited some of his father's genes as far as the passion for music. I'm a former songwriter and musician. And I'm like, man, you really don't want to go down that road. But it's like every day he's playing the piano. That's how I know he's home from school. It's how I know he's up in the morning. He just loves uh, music and basketball. And, and he's a good, young, godly man. So that's my family. Um, I have been serving for almost 15 years now in full-time ministry, primarily in children's ministry for about 10 to 12 years. And recently I moved into the role of family pastor. Um, how many ministry leaders do we have in here that you work uh, vocationally or bivocationally as a ministry leader? How many of you guys are volunteers within the church ministry? All right. Well, I say that, you know, a lot of times I'll be honest, when I go to conferences and stuff, they'll have great authors that inspire me. But I'm like, man, you don't understand the pain that is ministry for real. You just sell your books and you talk and life is great, but ministry is tough. I'm one of you. I know what it's like to get the text on Sunday mornings like you don't even want to look at the phone because, you know, uh, Sally has mysteriously developed pink eye. Like you can almost be a prophet and go, I predict that she's scheduled on the 12th. A great sickness is going to fall upon her house that morning. And then you fight the urge and you're like, oh, I'm praying for you. God, please help her to serve when she's supposed to serve. No. But I know the pains of ministry and I also know the joys of ministry. You know, our, at our church, we run an after school program for all of the kids. You know, we have several schools within a, a stone's throw, it seems like, from our church, which is great for a family pastor. And we recently started an after school program. where We go get them from school and we help them with their homework. And on Wednesday nights, it's done and um, it's given us an amazing opportunity to minister to a lot of kids because a lot of these kids primarily aren't involved in the church. And we have an opportunity to minister to them, not only after school, but on Wednesday nights, we get to, uh, most of them are now staying for Wednesday night church because they love it. And um, Lena, would you mind just sharing the Ava story just really quickly? Because it it's your story to tell. You were there. I get to... Real quick, one of the little girls that came to our um, after-school program stayed over for church, and I happened to be teaching the elementary students that night. And we keep a stack of Bibles in our closet so that when children come and they don't have a Bible, we hand them a Bible. So I pulled out the Bibles and I put them all in the children's hands, gave this little girl Ava a Bible, and, and I said, okay, guys, we're going to turn to this book, and I always help them find it. And I said, and guys, do you know, I always say this, 
this is the word of God and is it true? And they all say, yes. How do we know it's true? Because it's God's word. We have that little talk and little Ava raised her hand. She said, oh, Miss Lena, you mean this is God talking to me? And I said, yes, baby, that's God's, God's word for you. Can I have it? And I said, yeah. I said, Ava, do you have a Bible? She said, no, I've never had a Bible. Here she is, 10 years old, never had a Bible. An after-school child that we just invited to stay and join us on church now has this Bible. And she said, I'm going to take it on the playground and I'm going to read it every day. And I was just so proud of that. So you never know what comes in in your doors, but we always try to have extra Bibles on hand just in case. So, You know, it was just, it's a great, uh, I'd say that, you know, ministry is sometimes it's the most rewarding thing on the planet and it can be the toughest thing on the planet all at the same time. Because if we can be truthful, God has not called us to easy. He's not called us to comfort, you know, and, and that's where we grow. And um, I'm, I'm currently in a little bit of that right now. I'm in the process of helping an older church. Uh, we are an older church that is trying to grow younger. Um, I'll make this really quick. I'll get a lot more into my ministry journey in my next uh, breakout session. So if you're planning on coming to that, you may hear a couple of things twice. I apologize, but it's really it really helps to tell that story. But um, this church that I'm with now, uh, they were an older congregation that was really they were struggling to keep the doors open. They had two choices. They were really either going to change or they were going to die as a church. And it was really painful to watch and God called me there and I tried to deny that call about three different times and I said they offered me a position I was like no I don't think I belong there at that church and you know I'm going you're you're dying you know but it finally the pastor got me and he said I want you to look at it for what it could be not what it is now and God really brought me to task when I was on my face praying one morning I said Lord why do these people keep calling me and he said it's not about what you know the church can do for you but it's about what you can do to help this church because I was at a church of 7,000 people and this church had 150 that's how I knew I was called there because it made no sense in the natural realm you know and that's the way God usually operates in my life but um, part of the issue that they had is they had kept kids and students and big church all in their own separate silos you know, they would come to church as a family and split up and learn three different concepts, three different things, and then come back and get to the car. And nobody can really carry on a, a conversation to, you know, really back up what they learn because mom and dad's all pumped up about the lesson they learned. And little Johnny's all pumped up about the message they learned. And nobody's really connecting. You know, they're not being able to connect and, and be unified in their spiritual journey together. You know, um, and at first I thought I was the only one with this problem. And as more pastors I talked to, I realized, you know what, there is no wonder kids and, and students aren't coming to church. It's, it's, it's almost like another thing on the to-do list. And I don't know about y'all, but nobody I know is looking for a bunch of extra stuff to do. We're trying to simplify things. You know, technology has sold us a great big lie. It's supposed to make things easier and, and slow it down, and it's done the exact opposite. Now, as I talked to these other churches, I knew that, you know, and churches like this are awesome. And, and you come, and some of you probably come from a smaller church background. You walk into a facility like this, and you're just like, whoa. And then you start to really struggle with the Tenth Commandment, and that's okay because a lot of us, we struggle with these things. 
But then we realize as more churches, I, I go to different places and share and, and get taught myself, I realize the average church size is less than 100 people. You know, most churches are about like this church was. They a little more, more close to 150 or so when I first got there. But the young people are leaving our churches at alarming percentages. Like 70% of high school students upon graduation don't return to church. If at all, they do when they're 30 after or late 20s after they've done uh, like the prodigal son and, you know, ran their lives into a ditch. And it's a trend that, that as having children scares me to death, to be honest. And I don't want to operate out of the spirit of fear, but it's almost that holy discontent as Bill Hybels talks about, like, wait a minute, something needs to be done here. Um, D6 put out a, a, fa- a video about why family ministry matters uh, a little while back. And it was a, a, something that just came along. It was divine timing. And, and as soon as it came out, I thought this is going to be my tool to help share with my congregation the importance and what is really going on. So I want to just show this quick video for you guys. I'm sorry, my um, audio is not going to be near. You guys can't hear that in the back. It's not carrying through those TVs, is it? Well, basically, it's a video that follows a family. And it says the reason that we struggle with the concept of family ministry as leaders is because if we can be honest with ourselves, we're not living it out in our own homes a lot of times. You know, I talk to families that their parents are at the top of their field. Everything is going great. They're successful. They got nice cars. The kids want for nothing. Yet, they're miserable. They're not connecting. Their lives are living them versus them living their lives. And at the end of the day, parents are so spent. They're just like, you go play on your Game Boy. You know, it's like hallway conversations almost. You know, mom and dad are going in the bed just to get horizontal for a little while and just decompress. And the family is like ships passing in the night, you know, and I, I'm, I'm a guy, so I like to keep things real simple and I, I want to be like, keep it practical. Um, that's kind of the way I operate. I've got enough of it's complicated going on in my world that when I see a problem, I just want what's the most simple solution? Because t- if we can be honest, the word discipleship scares parents. They think they have to have a degree from seminary to be able to walk their kids through that. And the truth is the disciples had three years under Jesus and they missed it all the time. I mean, in the last days they are cutting somebody's ear off and they've seen Jesus bring back people from the dead. And I try to encourage parents, you don't have to have it all together. God's not concerned with your ability. It's your availability. We just have to make ourselves available to our children and to those that we disciple. Now I, I go, um, I go to quite a few of these conferences and when we get there, we all talk about the problem and we can all probably agree and get an amen, you know, with with the problem. And you might start shouting me down if we talk about everything is wrong and how parents need to connect and all that stuff. But I'm a dude and and I'm one. I see a problem. I just want to fix it. You know, and I know that doesn't work well in my marriage. If my wife has got something going, she just wants me to listen. And but this is something I just want to fix. And sometimes it takes a little longer to fix than then we want to uh, take the time. We live in a microwavable society. We want everything to happen real quick. But the truth is we have to develop a marathon mindset in, in some cases in the way that we approach discipleship. It's, discipleship is not a microwavable thing. It happens over the course of time. And um, there's a, a little fraction that uh, D6 talks about. It's uh, one over 168. And 
I, I, I've seen people with these shirts and before I knew what it meant, I'm like, are they math nerds or what is going on here? But one over 168, the one represents the one hour a week that families are at church. And if you work in ministry, you realize it probably should be 0.5 over 168 because every other week is the new every week. You know, somebody said, I'm every week and they're not in every week and I'm not judging anybody, but it's just the truth, you know, with travel ball and, and all the stuff that's going on. You know, kids are, are just busy and families are just go, go, go. The other is 168 hours of, of the week. That's what we got. So we only have the ability to really pour into these people for one hour. And the, the good news is we've never been more equipped and had better resources as a church to spread the message in a creative and relevant way to this generation. But it doesn't matter how awesome that one hour is. If the other 167 are just whatever, you know, floating with their emotions in the wind, just going day by day, we're not going to make an impact. So the, the key is to empower parents to be the primary disciple makers of their children. That's the key. Now, we have to empower them to do that. Look, we're going to talk about some simple, eight simple tools. Let's get to the eight simple tools. Number one, Johnny. Curriculum that empowers parents. Now, there's a lot of curriculum out there. Um, it is overwhelming, the curriculum choices for Sunday school, kids, student ministry. You know, Mary Jo has written her own since the 70s, and we've just been recycling that for a long time. Whatever it may be, there's a lot of curriculum. It seems like I've tried almost all of them through the years. But, you know, your church is unique to you. Just because one curriculum works at one church, you may not have the facility or the setup or the resources or the teacher power. You are the one that knows what best curriculum fits your uh, church. You know, but the thing that I really like about D6 and what helped us in our journey is it brought every age on the same page. From preschoolers and toddlers all the way up to our senior adults. And they love their Sunday school class. And when I was able to tell them, hey, we've got something that you can do and you can have conversations with your grandkids because they learned the same thing that Sunday. So we have families and kids and students learning the same biblical concept or truth or story on an age appropriate level all the way across the board. That's the one that we chose. We really we really love it. And one of the cool things that um that happened when it's it's such a god thing because it's way too good of an idea for it to be mine and sometimes when we have these great ideas that are really the lord's we try to take credit for it not going to try to take credit this this way you know have those thoughts that are way too smart you're like oh that's genius oh that can't be me it must be jesus now that's what happened with us i was teaching i would uh, frame my messages up on wednesday night to teach our youth our students our middle school and high school kids and they started wanting to serve in the kids' ministry on Sunday. I'll be honest, the first, at first it was out of necessity. Like the adults weren't as passionate about it as I would like them to be when I first got there. But the students, I could, I could, I could trip their trigger and get them to follow me. You'd be awesome at toddlers, man. They would love you. Like they have no idea. Like they stink. They're crazy. They scream. They melt down when they leave mom. They didn't know any of that stuff. But anyway, they got in the classes and some of my students were my best volunteers all the way across the board. When we, when we made the shift to putting everybody on the same page, 
I would teach the concept on Wednesday night. The students would have Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to let it ruminate, to watch God work through that, to, to live that truth or that principle out for a little while. And then they would go serve with the elementary kids on Sunday morning. They showed up prepared, ready to teach. In most cases, a lot more than my adults. And these little kids and watching the passion and when a teenager has a little bit more confidence than they already have, not that teenagers are lacking in confidence or, you know, they they feel like they don't know enough because most of them are young enough to know it all. But when they're teaching a biblical concept that they've lived with and seeing God do something in their lives through it, it was amazing. And now I had a kid go, I can't wait till I get in high school so I can come back in here and be a teacher. And the light bulb went off. I was like. Oh, there it is. We have a winner. And it just changed things for us. I said, wait a minute. We can do that with our Wednesday night senior groups, too, that want to teach on Wednesday nights. We'll work our, we arranged our schedule where our elementary were doing the same thing as the, I mean, the seniors were doing it just a few days early. So everybody, we're creating a discipleship factory, so to speak, and generational discipleship because the our older people in our congregation when i came in and started talking about family ministry it freaked them out because they think you know two parents and two kids are family ministry and i said no it's about generational discipleship everybody i told them you have as much value or more value than anybody on our team because you have walked with the lord you have experience and wisdom and a breadth of knowledge of scripture that i'm sorry but us young young bucks don't have we need you and they wanted to be used in that season of life. It's awesome. And, and to see the, them find purpose again and to give back of what God has given to them. All right, the second one. Email and social media. You know, um, we, we, we typically uh, email our, our churches. You know, some of you guys probably have a constant contact that you send out and we may send out one thing a week. Well, I, we started doing one where we just email parents what's going on. Hey, this is what your kid learned this week. Most curriculums will have something that's already pre-printed that you can, it's just a matter of you putting in the process or, or the, the system in place to get that message out again. I'm a fan of, of the, I subscribe to the philosophy that you cannot over-communicate to parents because sometimes they need to hear it two or three times. And we'll use email campaigns. We use Facebook because... Everybody is on Facebook if you're old. Now, the younger kids are not on Facebook, although teenagers are now using it to, you know, store all their pictures. Like my daughter, like at 1030, will upload 47 pictures of her and her friends with their hands on their hips, and they all look the same. <laughs> Did you see my pictures? Like, we took senior pictures, and she's like, which one do you like best? And I'm like, it's like one of those tricks, like, which, what is different about these pictures? And there's nothing. But anyway, we use Facebook we have a kids, we started a kids, uh, uh, ILPC kids page or whatever it is for our church to just put stuff for the, what we're doing in the kids class up there. Because the truth is uh, 70% of, uh, at least 70% they said of internet traffic these days can be linked to Facebook, which is outrageous to me. Like, and, and if you think it's not, just walk around your offices sometimes and pe- like try to catch them quick because they got that hide or tabbed it where you don't see them on it all day. <laughs> But, you know, you have Facebook ninjas in your church that will come up to you and they'll be like, 
oh, how was that dinner last night? And you're like, how did you know that I went out to dinner last night? Like I put on there like you, she never posts. They just they're ninjas. Anyway, <laughs> they'll like something before you even push enter and actually post it. But this is the reason why. You know, I have a friend of mine that is a he's into hunting. He has a show called Spiritual Outdoor Adventures, and his mission is to reach those hunters who don't go to church, but who will sit at home and watch a hunting show. And so he has this thing called Spiritual Outdoor Adventures. And I sometimes would edit some video for him, you know, when he got in a pinch or, you know, uh, he got a little behind or something. I needed some extra money because I work in ministry and I would edit video for him for his television show. And he one time he was going to Alaska for this salmon fishing trip. And the way he talked about it, it sounded so grand. I just kind of sit back there and dream like that would be awesome. Mountains and everything in the background and waders and like grow a beard and just be fishing. I'm not the big fishing type, but he kind of got me excited about it. And then he sent me a picture. Not what I was thinking. That's not what I visualized at all. And I texted back. I was like. Why in the world would you fly all the way to Alaska to stand three feet from a brother and fish for salmon? You've got to have lines tangled up like crazy in there. I don't even know how that works, if that is even scientifically possible or if, it's, if he photoshopped something. But the truth is, he said this. He said, you got to fish where the fish are. They tend to stay in that one little channel. They congregate in that one area. And the fish that Jesus, he says, you need, you need to be fishers of men. Yeah. 